Some stranger could catch our fish. Some schmuck with his fish and my fish and your fish up on the wall. Charles Schwab Challenge, Fort Worth, Texas. Cut line, gonna break it down. brings the fun in funk the interplanetary pga good vibrations you have faults in your lineups shortcomings in your analysis well the cut line has your cure is there golf after death i answer your question with a question is there seven and up now we're going to go break down this week's charles schwab challenge formerly known as the fort worth invitational at colonial country club in fort worth texas we'll have plenty of time for analysis but before that Hello Canada, hello USA, and hello UK, and hello Cambodia, which I'm assuming was on accident, but nevertheless, we have a new country to the list of one-time listeners. In addition, I specifically want to thank four of our regulars who have been with us since the beginning, so McCormick, Gunderson, Ernie Bowling, and Gary Cohen. Thank you for hanging with us, Zach, and I greatly appreciate the support you give the cut line, and we appreciate all of our listeners. Now remember, you can find the cut line on iTunes stitcher and soundcloud so follow and subscribe and stay up to date with the cut line because fun is winning and winning is fun now a new segment starts this week for the cut line we want to honor each week's dumbass the best we can so we come up with the best way we could and that is cheers you're a dumbass this week's inaugural winner is me way overweight on bryson dechambeau way 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 overweight on Bryson DeChambeau. So Michael Cavalunas, cheers. Cheers. You're a dumbass. dumbass. Thanks, Zach. Now to be considered for the Cheers You're a Dumbass Award, tweet out an image of your worst lineup or your best lineups with one of your players missing the cut. Make sure you include Cheers I'm a Dumbass in the tweet and make sure you tag at TCutLine. Now if you win the award, Zach will send you a sleeve of Titleist Pro V1s We'll randomly draw a winner and contact you via Twitter. Now remember, this is for this week's tournament and not those shitty lineups from last week. I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. I am a man who is ready for the Charles Schwab Challenge. Am I going to win this week? Hell yes, I am. I'm back to the grind and digging in with this week's player pool, but I cannot do this alone. Boring. Now on the other side of the mic is my man Mulligan Manafort. Zero Iron Zach, the man with the master plan, and Martin Pillar's number one fan, Zach Manafort. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great this week. I finally got a chance to get on the course for the first time this year. Played 18, did terrible, but, uh, you know, still getting shaking the rust off. Um, I'm happy to be here and ready for the Charles Schwab uh, event this week at the Colonial, and I'm happy to be as far, far, far away as the PGA Championships as possible. Well, uh, how, how about you? Well, I'm just curious. How how did you shoot? Like, how bad is bad for you? Uh, one tennis. <laughs> so pretty bad. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. I play from the native area, basically. I understand. Who is like? Were you playing with Martin Pillar or something? Uh, I was trying to be. I think I did a little bit, maybe a little bit worse than he did last time. Dear but not God. not as bad as Ross Fisher because he made the cut last week. Just saying. Like you scored a one ten. Like your tee time wasn't at one ten. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, God. So we'll see how it goes. It can only go down from here, I hope. Cross your fingers. <laughs> Zach Manafort can be found on Twitter at EaglesFan83. And you can also find the cut line on Twitter at TCutLine, where Zach and I break down PGA like no other podcast out there. Now, the cut line is here to bring you DraftKings analysis of the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Country Club. And we'll do the best we can. I have two guns, one for each of you. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And now the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lineup in the green, but so is your bankroll. 
Looking forward to GPP wins, moolah, dinero, cash. We like it all. And as always, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National for all the stats they provide for golf fans and PGA DFS enthusiasts. Fantasy National is helping draftees create unique lineups based on key stats and analytics. Trying to figure out what you're struggling with it week in and week out? More than likely, it's because you're not considering Fantasy National. You're ending up in the wrong end of the flagstick, so I ask you, how are your lineups doing? So, Zach, seriously, how'd you do this PGA Championship? Awful. I think this is probably the worst DFS week I've had for PGA since couple years ago i i had like one or two lineups make the cut in the 20 inch 20 max i had way too much ryan palmer way too much ryan moore entirely too much bubba watson uh, i had one of the three of them in pretty much every lineup i could possibly imagine uh so to me you know i lost a lot last week i'm hoping that this week is a lot better i uh, never really felt comfortable last week at the pga championship i thought i had the right i had the right high price guys peg but the mid and lower range just wasn't doing it for me so I'm locked and loaded for this week. I'm ready to play. So how about you? I'm hoping you did a little bit better than I did. I did all right. I still lost, but I'm just going to read some names for you, all right? Dustin Johnson, second place. McElroy, eighth. Rose, 29th. Ricky Fowler, 36th. Xander, 16th. Cooch, eighth. Cantley, third. Stenson, 48th. Woodland, eighth. Webb Simpson, 29th. Lucas Glover, 16th. Grillo, 23rd. Corey Connors, 64th, and Luke List, 6th. Let's not forget Adam Scott, 8th place. All these players in my lineups. Now, my big misses. Tiger Wood. Oh, Tiger Wood. Yeah, piece of <laughs> crap wood. Tiger Woods missed the cut. Johnny Rom missed the cut. Bryson DeChambeau, who you all know I just won Dumbass of the Week award for, missed the cut. Bubba Watson missed the cut leishman missed the cut brutal week for me because i was so overweight on those players now i don't regret my choice my choices simply because i knew what i was doing i I knew i was going completely contrary into the field i loved brooks we both loved brooks last week but after that first round i i i was like mush like seeing Mush in, in a Bronx Tales ripping up my tickets. I'm like, it's over. Just throw yeah. them away. I yeah. mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, I, I had I had the same stance on Brooks as I did at the Masters. Like, he's an elite player. I just didn't see him having a shot. I was wrong at the Masters, and I was wrong here again. I just can't. I'm not going to fade Brooks and Majors at this point. Even if his stats don't look right, I mean, the guy is just played out of his mind. Yeah, for the, late, for the last eight Majors, you know, he's won. So. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He, he's, a, he's a major slayer. We, we've talked about that. Yep. So, Well, you know, this week we're going to move on to the Colonial Country Club for the Charles Schwab Challenge. The course is known as Hogan's Alley, <clears throat> honoring one of the best golfers of all time and his five tournament wins at this course. Now, Colonial isn't a bomber's course, and its terrain is relatively flat. Yet that doesn't mean scoring is easy here at Fort Worth, Texas. Past winners in the field include Justin Rose, Kevin Kisner, Jordan Speed, Zach Johnson, and Rory Sabatini. This week's tournament brings about a new set of challenges for DFS players to analyze. Zach, what are the golfers looking at this week? So the Colonial is great because it's one place that we know we have a ton of course history at. Appropriately named, it's been the host site for this event since 1946. It remains a challenging par 70 layout that really hasn't changed much, but thanks to strong Texas winds most of the years, except for last year, uh, it's doesn't it really limits the ability to have a scoring fest. So trying to throw out last year's numbers we're not going to see 19 under this year the winds are already looking crazy uh, we're looking at gusts in the upper 20 upper 20s lower 30s so you know don't don't base your models off last week last year's results it's just going to set you up for failure so looking at that colonial sets up as one another one of your typical second shot golf courses distance off the tee here is not really as important as being extremely accurate and having knowledge of the course there's only 122 players in the field this week, so don't be surprised to see a much higher than normal 6-6, six six, especially after the last couple of weeks. Uh, this week, we're going right back to where it's all about approach play and ball striking, and that's going to show in my key stats because I'm going to be weighing that heavily along with course history as most of the winners here have shown success in the past before their wins. So those are what I'm looking at this week. Uh, my key stats, including uh, ball striking and approach, I'm also hitting heavy on GIRs gained. Uh, there's small greens this, this week. At this course so it's going to be extremely important to get on and get off as quickly as you can 
Uh, good drives are going to be extremely important, being accurate off the tee and knowing where to place your drives, especially in the wind. Uh, scrambling is going to be another huge, huge issue here. If you end up in the rough or the sand, uh, you're going to need to be able to get up and down quick. And then par 4 scoring from 400 to 450. Seven of the 12 par 4 hole, holes fall within that yardage range, so that's going to be huge for guys to make, make scores on that uh, within that 400 to 450. Those are my main mo main model stats. I'm also comparing some of those in the mixed condition model in Fantasy National against guys who play good in moderate or higher wins, as well as approaches from 150 to 175. That seems to stand out as the, the most hit range uh, over the last year or two uh, when looking at approach shots. So I'm going to weigh that heavily over our last 50 or 100 rounds for guys that are really locked in from that range. What about you, Mike? What are you looking at for key stats this week? You touched upon a lot of great stats, specifically the par four scoring from that 350 to 400, 400 to 450 yard range. Um, I also like birdies gained. I think it's a key stat this week because there is still going to be scoring here, and it's something that you want to take advantage of. One of my favorite stats is proximity, specifically proximity from that 100 to 125, 125 to 175 yard range. Um, but I also want to take a look at it from the rough as well. Um, you kind of talked about good drives. I, this isn't really a course where you necessarily need to land in the fairway to be successful because the rough isn't really that punishing. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't penalize the golfer. Also, I'm looking at strokes gain putting from that 15 to 20 foot range that seems to correlate with the top, uh, the top players in every tournament every year. Also, bogey avoidance. Um, the wind's going to wreak havoc with those balls. If you want to get sneaky, you could go with sand save percentage. So... Um, Zach kind of already talked about this, but I have a hard time trusting last year's stats to correlate success here. Last year, the weather was absolutely perfect, and this weekend is anything but calm. So make sure you keep an eye on the weather and look at other past years played here at Colonial. So this is going to move us into our Birdie or Better segment where we break down each tier of golfer and select our favorite plays and fades for this weekend's tournament. Analysis includes plenty of plays that will help you build better lineups, and we're going to start and kick it off with the 11 to 10k range why don't you kick it off for a zach see my best play in this range i think is going to be a guy we've been off for weeks now or months really jordan spieth at 10-9 i mean he really seems to be coming back into decent form here he put it together a great weekend last week coming in third at the pga championship when you're really only playing for a second because brooks ran away with it on day one uh, if he's truly returning back to the old jordan spieth we know he lines up as a great play for this week Looking at his last 36 rounds on similar courses to these, with being par 70 and bent grass, he ranks out ninth overall in my mixed condition model, which takes into account all the key stats I'm looking at, as well as the wind and uh, strokes gained putting on bent grass greens. For me, he grades out second best overall in the 10K guys, just based on key stats alone. Uh, he ranks ninth in strokes gained ball striking, eighth in approach, ninth in the par four scoring range from 400 to 450, 24th in scoring. And over his last 100 rounds on bent grass greens, as we discussed, you know, he's third in strokes game putting. So he puts well on bent grass. He likes it. Uh, it's providing a great opportunity to score here. He's also got phenomenal course history. Sure, he put up a 32nd last year. Not so great. But before that, second, first, second the previous three years. He knows how to play on this course. He's shown success here before. I think we may see his ownership come up a little bit, which is unfortunate based on his, you know, his finish last week at the PGA Championship. But I still think he's probably going to be lower owned than Raman Rose. Uh, and maybe even more on than Fowler below him. So I don't know. It really depends on you know where he shakes out on ownership. But I think for me, he's going to be the key guy in the 10K range that, that I'm going to lock in on. What do you think about Jordan Spieth this week? I like Jordan Spieth. You know, overall on PGA Tour, he ranks 23rd and birdie or better. Um, concerns I have, green and regulation percentage on tour, he's 153rd. Bogey avoidance, 125th. You know, strokes gained T degree 169, but that I'll, it attributes to the fact that he's been struggling for so long. But I think he's really coming into form. He does have incredible course history, and you kind of touched upon that. But, I mean, when we mean elite course history, second in 2017, first in 2016, second in 2015, top 20 finished in 2014 in 14th place. You know, and, and that's incredible. I don't think he's going to be over-owned simply because he's been so bad he's burned enough people up to this point and let's be realistic that third place finish at the pga championship i don't think people realize that jordan spieth played that well everyone no, was, it was, all, it was all his on, putting but everyone was focusing on bubba and dustin johnson so 
I, I think speed's in play. Other key stats I looked at in his last eight rounds, he ranks fifth in the field in strokes gained total and first in strokes gained putting. So if that putter's hot, he, he has a chance to compete. In my custom model, uh, you know, obviously he's not popping, but he is 25th and birdies are better, and it helps having a putter, a hot putter. So Jordan Speed's in play. My next guy that I want to tout is Justin Rose. He's $11,400. He was last year's winner, and... You know, that is concerning as looking back at ni- since 1980, no player's ever won back-to-back. So the numbers are not in his favor for that regard. But he's third in the world golf ratings, 15th overall in PGA in par-4 scoring, 11th overall in birdie or better. And in the last 50 rounds on Ben Green's, Rose ranks sixth in the field in proximity, fourth in birdies or better gained, and third in bogey avoidance. I think these are all key success stats for i'm sorry all key stats for success here and rose could repeat you like rose yeah i mean he was my other guy in the 10k range for me i had two guys and it was spieth and rose i mean for all the reasons you touched upon and the fact that his approach game is just out of control i mean he gained 2.2 last week 5.3 at the wells fargo 3.8 at the players 5.6 when he won the when the farmers back in january I mean, approach is going to be key here. He's got the course history. He's he's in great form. Yeah, I, there's no reason why he's not a great play, and the price you know shows that. Um, my concern is you know you're paying a lot for him, and you're going to have to dig deep into the low seven Ks, high six Ks. But I think this was a week where you can get away with that, uh, and we'll probably get into those guys later. But yeah, I like Rose this week for sure. Yeah. Anyone else in this range you like? No, for me, yeah. It's just, it's Spieth and, and Rose. I'm going to go pretty narrow this week on a player pool. I, I think this is one of the, the smallest player pools I've had so far on Monday in a long time. So those are the two guys for me. Do you have anybody else that you want to talk about before we hit our fades? Yeah, I really like Ricky Fowler. He ranks third overall in my custom model. And then on Fantasy National, he seems to be popping with particular stats. Um, so fowler does interest me for a variety of reasons though beyond just like the rankings and in, in, in that it's the fact that since the valero he's gained strokes in every major stat category you know he's coming in the form and we always look for that you know guy to be not in current great form but just coming into great form so i think ricky fowler kind of fits that mold and his best putting surface is on bent greens which we're going to see here at, in texas so I think that comes into play as well. In the last 50 rounds on bent greens, windy conditions, he's second in bogey avoidance, second in birdies or better gained, 16th in approach, 26th in the par 4, 400 to 450 range, ranks out fifth in my custom model on Fantasy National. Now in the last eight rounds, Fowler has been lighting it up. He's sixth tee to green. 17th off the tee, 26th in approach, 21st around the green, 22nd putting, and 17th in DK scoring gain. So I think Fowler could potentially be higher owned this week, but as we learned from last week, sometimes eating the chalk isn't that big of a deal. I think by name, he's going to be incredibly popular, but I'll still take pieces of Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I mean, you're right there. I mean, I think guys roster Fowler you know what you're going to get a guy that easily has the ability to win or at least come in second as we've seen multiple times and a guy who's just consistently making the cut I mean he hasn't missed a cut since uh man I can't even go back that far the players last last year 2018 and then before that I mean he's made 27 of his last 30 cuts and it's insanity I mean you're, you're getting a guy who is not prone to blowing up and just missing a cut or packing it in on Friday I mean, he's, he's trying. Every every day he goes out there and gives it his best. I mean, the guy's an elite golfer with a great history. I mean, you're rostering Fowler, you're pretty much guarantee, almost guaranteeing you're making the cut, uh, hopefully having the upside to win it. Yeah. Well, and then there was one. Xander, are we nope. fading or are we buying? Yeah, I think we're both – I think we're both on the same the same mindset here. Is I'm, I'm fading Xander. I was high on him last week, and he did come in 16th. So, I mean, not too bad for what we paid for him. Uh, but he really just doesn't fit well for me this week on this course. He doesn't have great course history. He missed a cut last year, and he had a 48th in 2017. For 10K, I would hope a guy would have a little bit stronger history because we've seen winners here usually perform well. And for 10K, uh, I'm just not willing to take the risk here when you've got such elite options above him and some great plays in the 9K below him. He's a strong bent grass green putter coming in ninth over his last 100 rounds. 
but he seems to find himself in the 50th or worse in every major stat category I'm looking at uh, when I compare his play to par 70 or bent grass courses. For me, it's an easy Xander fade. I'll have none of him this week. Um, you fading him, or are you, you going to sprinkle him in? I think I'm going to fade him just just because I, I don't really have much of a, a, a choice. You know, with my bills that I've currently made, he just doesn't fit the mold, and I don't want to replace some of these other players that I have. The 16th at the PGA is impressive, the 2nd at the Masters, but in between there is the RBC Heritage where he finished in 63rd. I can't see him making the cut. I just don't know if it's going to be worth the price. Yeah. I know he's a great bent grass greens putter, so if you are going to fade him, I think you are still fading him with some significant risk, but I mean, we have to make uh, make decisions in positions somewhere. So, Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to that 9K range, and I'll start us off with Paul Casey. Paul Casey's going to be chalk, just like Ricky Fowler. We'll start there. But he ranks number one in my custom fantasy national model. Second in the field in proximity. Sixth in the field in birdies are better gained. First in approach. All right. He loves putting on bent greens. Casey's best finish here was 10th in 2017. And on the PGA Tour, he ranks sixth overall in strokes gained tee to green. Paul Casey is perfect for this course you gonna have any pieces of casey yeah he ranks number one for me too and, and i think we're our thoughts are exactly the same for me he's he's gaining strokes on approach he gained 3.1 strokes last week on a challenging course 5.3 at the wells fargo and 4.6 at the valspar which he won i mean he's playing phenomenal golf he's got a chance to add another win here uh, i'm gonna be extremely overweight uh, on casey and for me he also ranks first in the the par 4 400 to 450 range which is going to be huge this week I'm actually you know, su- surprised he's so cheap. Right, and it not, that's my issue. I mean, he's going to be chalked. You're going to have to eat it. I don't know. Do you do, do the leverage play? Hope he blows up and misses a cut here. I don't know. I think for me, I'm going to be overweight on Casey. I'm going to be all over the chalk on him. Yeah, currently looking at ownership on Casey, I have him at um, just about 22%. And this is Monday night, so... Yeah. You know, that number could go up to 26%. I'm not surprised looking at this field. So you keep, keep an eye on that number. Is there a, is there a play, is there or a percentage that you won't own him at, a, an ownership percentage? I think if he gets in the mid-30s, it would be a decent fade. When I have think we if I've ever I, seen any golf well, right. in the mid-30s. Exactly. Well, there's only 122 guys in the field this week. So if this, there was a week, this is it. But for me, it's either going to be I'm going to probably be 50% or more or I'm going to fade him completely. And, I, and right now it's 50% or more. Unless he somehow approaches a 35 plus, I won't fade him. All right, who else you got in this 9K range? So here's one that's going to come where you won the award this week is Bryson DeChambeau at 9,400. You know, uh, I was dead set again, dead set against him last week in a course that I just didn't think he'd fare well in, and he missed the cut. I, I just, his, his the way he lines up his shots on a blind course, I didn't think he had a chance last week. But... This is a perfect week to jump back on him and potentially get him even lower owned than we can, we've ever seen before, especially with Casey at 9,300, 100 below him. Over his last 36 round on bent grass par 70s, Bryson is 19th in stroking, ball striking, 22nd in approach, and 9th in scrambling. He has played this course three times. He's missed the cut twice and finished 48th last year. So yeah, not the greatest course history. But if you're going to pivot off Casey and you're looking for a low owned play to differentiate yourself from the field, this is the ownership play I I think is going to be an area where no one rosters him and you can get him at, I would potentially say even sub 5% here. I don't know how much Bryson I'll have this week because I think I'm going to be real heavy on Casey and probably making stars and scrubs my, my primary build with guys in the 10 11 K range. But if the ownership numbers shake out and Bryson shows up under 5%, I'm going to have to have a little bit of him just, just as a chance that he breaks out of his, his funk here. Uh, I don't think you like Bryson this week, but what do you think? You know, he, he just burned me so bad last week. It's going to be hard to jump on. And I'm not normally like that. But, I mean, there is history of Bryson struggling on the PGA Tour. Yeah. You know, last year it was his coming of age. He won at the at the Memorial, which is next weekend. And that was his first win on PGA Tour. And then he got hot. And he actually missed the cut at the PGA, but then won the Northern Trust and the Dell. But... If you remember his start in 2017, it was miscut after yeah. miscut after miscut. 2016, same story. You know, it, he's still a young golfer that's trying to put it together. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's still rattled from those last two tournaments and misses the cut again. You know, it is something to be concerned about. I get the leverage play here for Bryson DeChambeau, but I, I'm not going to buy it. Even in my mixed condition model, you know, he's not glowing like a must play. You know, there are concerning things. His proximity is concerning, especially on this course. His par 4 scoring in 400 450 yards, he's middle of the pack in an approach. And this is with 50 rounds considered. So, yeah, I just I, don't. There's no one else in the 9K that I really even that is like far and away better than him besides Casey. I mean, is there anybody else you like in the 9K range that just jumps off and says, I have not, a chance to win this thing? Uh, yeah. Our man Molinari. Nah, no way. Why? Course history. I'm, I'm stats wise. I know you're gonna, you're gonna say it, and I, I agree with you. Stats wise, he looks great, but I just don't see. I'm putting a huge weight on course, course history and knowledge here, and he just doesn't have any. And he's not really. I mean, the 48th last week, miscut at the RBC. He's not in the best form. So I mean, level playing field, Bryson here, coming in. In shaky form, one has course history knowledge. This guy's coming in fresh. Molinar is a great golfer, but I just for me he's a fade at ninety eight hundred. That's a lot. But he's not playing bad golf. He's just not making putts like crazy. And if the putter gets hot, he wins the tournament. Think about it. Look at last year when he won the Open. Putter was on fire going into it. Like you know, Quicken Loans won that. John Deere second place. Then at the PGA, he only lost 0.3 strokes, and he was sixth in 2018. You look at this year, you know, he missed the cut at RBC Heritage. He was minus four and a, uh, four and a half. This past week, he finished in 48th. He was still minus four and a half, but that course played so hard. My concern, though, if I'm going to have a concern, is has he mentally recovered from the Masters? The guy's a pro, man. He has. I think Molinari's in play. I think underweight play for sure. Because I don't think a lot of people are going to own him at that price. Why yeah, pay up for Molinari when you can go down to Casey, go down to Finau, who's everyone's favorite, yep. go down to Kisner, go down to Poulter, go down to Louis, especially in this 9K range. He's at the top. You know, he's in bad form. People know that. Uh, I like Molinari in this spot. He can easily make the cut, get you a top 10. Yeah, I mean, he. Like I said, stat-wise, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, but for me, I'm sticking with what I said in the beginning. I'm, I'm really putting emphasis on course history here. Uh, and for me, he just doesn't make the cut at 9,800. If he was in the low nines, high eights, yeah, I could see it taking a stab at him. But I'm just not going to be able to fit him. Well, speaking of course history, not the best in the field. But finishing in fifth place last year, a cut in 2016, a cut in 2015, and 38th in 2014 is our boy, Louis Oosthuizen. All right. I like Louis here. I think he's going to be very low owned. On my custom model, he ranks 38th overall. But his best putting surface is bent greens. And he's okay in the win, which which I'm happy about. In the last eight rounds, he's 21st in strokes gained tee to green, 32nd in strokes gained putting, and he's second in the last eight rounds in par four efficiency from 400 to 450 yards. Now, he's not popping necessarily in my custom model, but I still think he's a great play. I think he's a pivot from the rest of this 9K range. And for whatever reason, people don't like playing Louie. You like him? I don't. And, and the reason I don't like him is his approach game. Over the last 20 rounds, he's losing over a stroke and a half on the field. And for me, that's just a, a red flag. I mean, if it's windy, maybe he recovers from that and outplays guys that, are, that struggle in the wind. Um, but... I just can't see myself rostering Louie this week. Uh, the approach game red flag was was what took me off him. It is going to be windy, and it, he gains a half stroke in right. moderate winds. So that's what I'm, I don't know. I guess it really comes down to, you know, take a look at his ownership. Uh, but right now I've got no Louie. Yeah, that, he's struggled with that approach game for the last 20 rounds, and I get that. Um, but it got it, 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 it improved last week. But only to half a stroke. Before that, it was minus two and a half, minus two and a half, minus one point six. Well, we don't have Masters data on the approach game, right? I'm skipping the Masters. Four of the last five events, he's lost strokes. 
but you have to assume strokes gain total he's at 3.1 at the masters that approach game looked pretty solid i don't think it's fair to consider the masters being the course that it is um but he finished in 29 so his, his approach game had to be pretty much on point so i think he's coming into form for his approach game i'd be more concerned about the putter at this point because it's so off and on so hot and cold um but you know in in terms of his putting average he seems to do best on bent greens where where he's just even part it just average or i'm sorry zero in terms of strokes game putting by uh by green surface so he's someone i'm interested in who's your fade in this in this round my fade in the ak or we're still in nine case yeah is, is molinari i'm just not for the reasons we talked about before i'm not i'm not having any well good luck with that <laughs> taking a bold stand here this is too much for 9800 it's too much I, I'm very happy that you've omitted guarantee and monster from your vocabulary for this. I'm trying. Podcast. I'm trying. It's hard, but I'm trying. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go down to the 8K range, where I love Rory Sabatini. I don't know how you feel about Rory Sabatini, but he is one of my favorite plays on the slate. He's really figured out his game this season in the last 50 rounds on bent greens. He's 21st in the field in birdie or better, 21st in approach, 22nd in sand save percentage, 15th in par 4's efficiency from 400 to 450 yards. Overall in his last 8 rounds, 3rd in strokes gained tee to green, 13th in ball striking, and 2nd in the field in DraftKings scoring, which is the whole reason we're doing this shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you. Rory is a phenomenal play. I mean, the dude has just been crushing it. Uh, I, I had an issue with him a couple months ago when his approach game was just falling apart, and he was just, it was just looked awful. But over the last three, he's been absolutely outstanding. With the Byron Nelson, he was 5.7 strokes. Uh, a week before that, Will Fargo, 1.6. He's finished 5th, 18th, 10th in his last three events. The dude's locked in. On a shorter course here on a par 70, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's previous winner here, right? I mean, how can you not? Yeah, he is a previous winner here, and in the last six years, not the best form here at this course. He finished in 10th in 2015 and 20th in 2018, so two top 20 positions, but he missed the cut in 17, missed the cut in 2014, and missed the cut in 2013. He did not play in 2016. So I, I love Sabatini in this spot. Even in my custom model that I do on Excel, he's ranked 14th. He's just popping everywhere. He's, he's a scorer. He's a course horse. I am going to have a lot of Rory Sabatini this weekend. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I like Rory here. All right, who else you got in this 8K range? For me, it's a bunch of guys that I don't usually roster, and one of them is Scott Piercy at 8,600. I don't pick him very often, and I can't even remember the last time I actually liked him as a core play. I, usually I put him in one or two lineups out of like 30 or 40. But this week, I think I'm really going to have to have a lot of them. At 8,600, it seems hard to believe, but Piercy's actually been playing some great golf this year. While 41st last week at the PGA Championships isn't that impressive, he did get a second at the Byron Nelson and a third at the RBC in consecutive weeks, two events prior to that. If Piercy can stay on his approach game back to where it was during that two-tournament stretch, then he's on fire. His course history here is up and down. He missed a cut last year, but he had a 7th in 2017, a 67th in 2016, and a 43rd in 2015. So he knows the course. He's shown the ability to at least top 10 with a 7th. Uh, but the price might be a little bit too high. But I don't know if that price is going to make the ownership lower. Because who's going to pay 8600 for Scott Piercy? Uh, if that's the case, then I'll be heavy on Piercy and hope his ball striking approach and par 4, 400 to 450 game is dialed into the top 5 that he's shown to be able to do on these type of courses. Uh, for me, I like Piercy. I think he's, he's a great boomer bust play. Uh, a guy that you can throw into some balanced lineups pretty easily. And I think because a lot of people are going to be drawn to higher price guys, he might come in lower owned. Uh, so I'm in on Piercy this week. What, what do you think? I think by the time Wednesday comes around, Scott Piercy's names could be thrown out there so much. We're looking at 15, 16% ownership. Mm. But I don't know if that's enough to sway me off. Yeah, he's it's eighth, right, at, right at the line. Yeah, he's eighth overall in PGA in greens and regulation percentage. I, I think that's insane for Scott Piercy. Now, he's finished in the top 10 with a 7th place finish in 2017 at this tournament. But in the last 8 rounds, Scotty is on fire. 5th in strokes gained tee to green. 
23rd in the field in approach, and 9th in the field in DK scoring. Again, a DK scorer. Yep. We, we love that stat. In my custom model, he's first in proximity from that 100 to 150 range, and he's 22nd in overall proximity. I think he's in play this week. So. Yeah. Moving well, on to yeah. an, another 8K is Emiliano Grillo. Um, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I had Grillo highlighted, and and I hope that you were going to talk about him because I was just going to omit him because you know I haven't done the deep dive on Grillo that I wanted to. But you know, what do you think about Grillo? I, I mean, he's got always, the great course history he's, here. He's always a risk reward type play, right? Because that putter is just like so crazy but his iron game is just phenomenal and i just wish the guy would just spend like a session like (laughs) with with a putting coach i feel like he doesn't hire one at all i know that's not true but needless to say though putting is his fault now his best putting surface is bent greens um so I, i i am i am hopeful for strong putting but in his last eight rounds, you know, he's ninth in the field in strokes gained tee to green, eighth in ball striking, and 11th in pr- approach. So I love Grillo at this Grillo at this point. I, I'm going to roster a lot of him. I don't care what ownership happens in this AK range with these guys that I like because I think these guys are, are players that can win this tournament, and they're also guys who, if they don't win, they can be in the top 25, top 20, top 10, and they're absolutely in play. Yep. Of course, they come with their risk. I mean, they're 8K guys. They're not 10K guys. You're not looking at Ricky Fowlers. You're not looking at Justin Rose. You're not looking at that type of elite talent, especially on Sunday when the pressure's on. Still, regardless, I love Rory. I love Griot. I love per- uh, Piercy. And there's one more guy that I need. Do you know who it is? Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, is it Joel Dahman? Because that's who mine is. <laughs> it's not Joel. And I love Joel. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's... It's one of those. It's one of those. We'll go into Dominic. We'll go. Go ahead. Start with Dominic. Okay, I'll talk about Dominic because I think I know who you're gonna say. And, and I, every time his name comes up as chalk, it makes me shudder. But Dominic first, 8200. Second appearance here. Posted a 20th last year, which is a great finish for a first timer who usually doesn't do well on this course. Dominic has been quietly making the cut and putting up some solid finishes. He has made his last seven cuts, finishing 12th twice, second once, and 16th once, which isn't bad, especially with 8200. His 71st last week of the championship is disappointing, but he still gained over five strokes on approach, which is, he's dialed in. If he can keep that up this week, he'll be in great shape to put in at least another top 20 and push for a top 10. Uh, he has the ability to win this, and I think this is a course that he could challenge as long as he stays locked in all week, all weekend. Uh, for me, his strength will be on the par 4, 400 to 450, where he grades out fit. If he can put that approach game to work on those holes, he can put some good numbers up and find himself in the top five on, on Sunday. For me, Dom is a great play at 8200. It's easy to fit in almost any type of lineup you want, and he's got the upside to win this thing. Uh, what do you think about Dom? He's going to burn you. No. Th- this, can't. Is, this is the tournament where he's going to burn you because I've been on Joel Dahman. I I've picked him on the right tournaments, and this is, the, this is a perfect setup for him to burn DraftKings players. It absolutely is. I mean, he's he's awesome in his recent form, but in his last 50 rounds, he really does not pop on bent greens. Now, his worst putting surface, absolute, like, by far worst putting surface, is bent greens. That's okay. They're it's, small. They're small. You still have to putt. <laughs> we'll see. Now, in his last 10 rounds... He's lost strokes putting. All right. In the last five, he's gained them. His putter looks good right now. It's in great form. So I'm not going to take that away from him. But when you look at his performance at the PGA, you know, it's reminiscent of his miscut at the Arnold Palmer, his miscut at the Honda, his miscut at the Genesis. Um, So, you know, these are concerns I have with Joel Dahman. It's not like he's an elite golfer who's going to make every cut, but... I mean, it's not unprecedented for him to miss four cuts in a row all of a sudden, as he did in 2017 when he missed the Green Bar, the John Deere, the Barbasol, and the Canadian Open. So I see rostering him here, but it just is that spot, that position, where Dahman is going to burn you. I don't know, because when he missed those cuts at the API and the Honda and the Genesis, I mean, his whole game was falling apart. 
I mean, PGA last week, sure, he had a struggle areas, but his approach game has been locked in, and that will save him this week. You're just dealing with that Texas weather, man. I mean, this is windy. It's it's not That's fine. If it's if it's between you know 10, 18 mile an hour, steady winds, he plays pretty well. He gains 0.6 strokes on the field. If it's over 20 consistently, which the gusts will be, but the sustained winds should be under that. Yeah, he's in trouble. I'm going to so say it's something this. you have to watch. I'm going to say this: if I get Joel Dominant sub 10 percent, yes, I'm going to roster him. Oh, I think he'll be sub 10. I think he's going to be Chalk City. Really? Oh, man. I think we're looking at 15 16 17% here for wow. Joel. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, if he's that high, I have no interest. Because I still don't think he can win this tournament. Nah, I disagree. I think he can win. I think he can top five. And I think he, I mean, I think top five is probably his ceiling. And then one out of a thousand, he wins. I'm still taking top five for his price. He's an ownership play for me. I, I, I mean, it, it, we're, I'm going to look at ownership on Wednesday, and that's where I'm going to make my stand. But right now, I am not the biggest fan of Joel Dom. And if you say you're the biggest fan of Ches Reeve, then I can't. I can't. I'm a huge fan of Ches Reeve right now. <laughs> oh, man. For $100 more. I, I felt like that's where that was going, the earlier question. Do you I cannot know do Ches Reeve week. Can't People do it. are going to look at his recent form. They're going to look at the history of this tournament and say, cut, cut, cut. In a 48th place? No, thank you. I'll pay $100 less for Joel Dahman, who, by the way, is going to miss the cut this week. And Chezzy is going to be awesome. Look, I get it. Okay, He does not have great course, great course history here, but his recent form is encouraging. It is. It, it really yeah, is. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. You know, he's sixth in strokes gained T to green. Or no, total, sorry. 23rd in strokes gained T to green, 12th in approach, and 6th in putting. Now, in my custom model, he ranks 5th in proximity, 23rd in bogey avoidance, 25th in par 4 efficiency from 400 to 450 yards. I like Chezzy here because he's such a great play at his pricing. People are going to pivot elsewhere. They're going to go to Horschel. They're going to go to Nah. They're going to go to Sneds. They're going to go down to Zach Johnson. I know we're approaching that 7K range. But still, and then in that 8K range, where are they going to go? They're going to go up to Sabatini and Coax, Louie, all right? He's lost at 8,300. He's in that lost range. I think low ownership. We're talking about a guy who can win on tour. Love him. I love him. And in his last five rounds, gained in every major statistical, gained strokes in every major statistical category. Why do you hate Chezzy? I don't hate him. I just hate Ches Reeby chalk. And if he's going to be chalk, I he's don't not want chalk. any part of he's it. He's not chalk. I, I'm telling you right now, he's not going to be chalk. Then I have interest. I have interest. Be- my main interest in him is his proximity from 150 to 175. Over his last 100 rounds, looking at both bent grass par 70, 150 to 175, and just 150 to 175 on any course, he ranks number one, which that to me is intriguing. Um, but when I look at you know his overall stats, yeah, he's he's good. Now he grades out, you know, decently for 8,300. 8, I mean, his par 4, 400, 450, as you mentioned, is pretty solid. Uh, I have a concern with his GIRs gained uh, to me, which he comes out like 58th on these type of courses, which, you know, that's something you're really going to need to excel at here to, to make the cut or finish high. Um, and then his scrambling kind of worries me. It's not too bad. It's up for 40, 47th uh, in my stat model. Uh, for me, you know, for 8,300... I just dropped down 100 to Domin. I just feel strongly about Domin this week. I don't, I just never feel good rostering Chez Reeve, ever. That's why I win, and that's why you <laughs> lose. All right, who are you fade in this range? Uh, I, my fade in this range is going to be Matthew Fitzpatrick, 8,500. He's made his last six cuts. There's another guy who's just priced entirely too high coming into a week and a course where he's never played. I just don't see the upside here for him at 8,500, and the model doesn't even support you know, him doing well here. I don't have a lot of guys I like in the 8K range, but Fitzpatrick was the first one that I cut out. I just have no interest. I'm leaning heavy on course history, as, as we talked about with my Molinari fade. Fitzpatrick falls right under that category. I just don't have, I have no interest. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you in that regard. Like, I, I, 
I don't think that that's a bad call. The guy I'm going to fade is Cox. Yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. he's just he's a guy who's going to have so much ownership for a golfer that I don't think can win this tournament. That, no, that's, I, that's really what it comes down to for me on Kokrak. I mean, 8900 bucks for a guy who, who, who it just really in his last 50 rounds on bent greens and, and you know, in windy conditions doesn't look that good. And really has not played that well recently. And his strokes game putting is terrible. Around the green, he's terrible. His approach game's okay, but he's 70th in DraftKings points. I mean, that's concerning as well. So, Cox is my fade in this 8K range. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's a cut maker. I mean, he's been making cuts all year and really deep into last year. I think the last cut he missed was the Open back in uh, last, ju- last July. Um, so, yeah, you roster him, you're probably going to make a cut. But, again, I agree with you. I just don't see the upside here at his price. To, he's not going to win this thing. and I'll have no Cox either. All right, let's go down to that 7K range. Why don't you kick it off, kick it off for us? Yeah, sure. I mean, 7,400, Russell Knox. I mean, 7K range right here is there's some guys who I really think look great. And I think a lot of these guys in the 7K range, or at least a handful of them, can outperform almost everyone in the 8K range. And Knox is the one of those guys that, for me, just jumped off the page. His form is shaky, which I really like because I hope it lowers his ownership. He missed two of the last three cuts. He's been bleeding away strokes, game putting, and around the green. But he has not struggled in his approach game, which has been gaining 2.2 strokes over the last five and 10 rounds. He's dialed in from 150 to 175, which I love, and I'm grading heavily this week. And he comes in number two in the field over his last 100 rounds. He's also third in GIRs gained and good drives on similar courses like this on par 70 and bent grass. Uh, being accurate is going to be key. 7,400 for Knox. I think he's in a great bounce back spot to really uh, turn his game around. I'll have a ton of Knox this week. The putter worries me. Yeah, I mean, it does. Absolutely. But for 7,400, something's going to worry you on every guy. I agree. It just kind of maybe worries me too much. I mean, if I'm going to go Knox, I'm already worrying about, like, Molinari and the putter and, and you know, a few other guys with the putter. So, um, you know, maybe the miscut at the PGA Championship should reduce ownership, but he's still a popular player. I mean, people recognize that Russell Knox name. But, I mean, he has a high chance of missing this cut as well. But he was 20th in 2018, 24th in 2015, and 21st in 2015. 14 so yeah. there is promise there his recent form though is not encouraging 101st in putting 92nd in DraftKings points because he's missing cuts uh, 67 strokes in total 59th in approach 57th around the green in my mixed condition model looking at Knox you know it's kind of the same story except that he just pops in the proximity range so yeah. I see where that history of being successful in these type of conditions exists for Russell Knox. I just worry about that form. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's a relationship in terms of weighting what you want to value more as recent form or as course history kind of talent and ability on this type of course. So I get the Russell Knox play. I'm not saying I'm fading him. I just haven't really made a decision yet. Yeah. Who you got? Uh, guy I like is Zach Johnson. You know, in custom stat model, he ranks fifth in bogey avoidance, sixth in par four efficiency for 450 yards. He's 25th in birdie or bent gains, 17th overall in my model. He's made five of the six last cuts here, and he's 30th overall in strokes gained tee to green on the PGA Tour. I think Zach Johnson's going to be chalk. I'm okay with eating that chalk this week. I want this guy to make the cut because he's someone who could easily win this tournament. Zach Johnson, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he's won twice, right? He won in 2010 and 2012. Exactly. 2013, he came in third. 2011, he came in fourth. I mean, the dude is just a monster here, at least. He was from 20, 2009 to 2013. Uh-oh. But. You said monster. Oh, man. You're right. Strike that. Anyway. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he has been. I mean, he's one, a guy who won the event twice here. He's got to be a monster. I'll say it again. Just because. Um, I do like Johnson here. His his putter has been off the last two weeks, but he does putt the best on bent grass. So, I mean, he could probably overcome that. I, I do worry that he'll be Chalk City here. Uh, if people dig back into his history, I'm hoping the miscut at the Wells Fargo and the 54th at the PGH kind of drives that down a little bit. Uh, but I think Johnson's a phenomenal play here. Yeah. You know, another guy I like in this range, and I'm not sure how you feel about him, is Jimmy Walker. Yeah. 
You know, the last rounds, he's been very good. 13th off the tee, 23rd in ball striking, 24th in tee to green. My custom model, he's 18th overall, 13th in better, uh, birdies are better gained, 14th in approach. You know, he's 23rd at the PGA Championship. And I, I, I just like that recent form that he has. Now, on my custom model in Fantasy National, he's 18th overall. But the one stat that I do like is that he's 13th and birdies are better gained, 14th in approach. Now, where he does struggle is that 450 uh, par 4 range. He's only 49th in the field. But I'm okay with that. That's still top 50%. You can have success here. Um, we've seen success from Jimmy Walker before. You gave me an ugh. Why do you hate him? Uh, you know, because he, he burned me at the Byron Nelson. I mean, honestly, that's that was my. I was so heavy on Walker uh, because he had done so well at the previous one. He came in sixth in 2018. I went real heavy, and then he just was awful and missed the cut. So you know, that was my my beef with Walker. Trying to put recency bias aside, I see where you're coming from. Uh, he is, he's. I mean, he's solid. He grades out well. I mean, his price is not that bad for 7400. My issue with him is his draw, his accuracy off the tee is kind of has been an issue, especially on these types of courses. Uh, his approach game is great, like you said, 400, 450 is, is outstanding. Um, but you know, and I, I'm still holding on to that recency bias. And his approach game to me you know, hasn't been that. It's not a difference maker for me. He gained 2.7 last week at the PGA, but before that, I mean, he really hasn't been doing that great strokes gain on approach compared to other guys I'm looking at, and I'm weighing that. More heavily than most, so no, I, he did miss the cut at the Byron Nelson. But the other thing that's appealing I didn't mention is that he is a phenomenal player in the wind. Yeah, no, you're right. What, he one is. of the best in the field. Yeah, but even then, I mean, outside of the 23rd last week, I mean, what's his best finish? I mean, you go back, you haven't he hasn't had a better finish since God, I can't even find a decent tournament where he finished in the top 30. The RBC Canadian Open, maybe back in July last year when he finished 29th. Uh, well, you have to go all the way back to the Byron Nelson last year where he got a sixth. No, that's his, I mean, he finished 29th in CJ Cup. Yeah, but in that's October. Not, yeah, I mean, that's not really 29th at the Canadian, sixth yeah. at the Byron Nelson, second yeah, at the players. I mean, if a guy finishes in second year. place at the players, I'm going to take him at 7,400 with that kind of upside. But that was last year. It doesn't matter. 23rd at the PGA. Did you see on Sunday how just wretched that course was tearing people up? Yeah, I mean, yes, but I don't know. I don't know. For me, I just don't see – I don't see top 20 upside from Walker this week. Okay. Just don't – I don't see it. He's only got – he hasn't finished inside the top 20 since his six at the Byron Nelson last year. I'm, I'm willing to say, hey – Oh, I'm incorrect. He's, he's, it was actually it was actually at Charles Schwab last year. He finished twentieth, oh. so that that is his his last time he finished top twenty. But I don't think he has better than top twenty. I just don't see it. I uh, if he finishes in twentieth, I will take Jimmy Walker. I don't I don't think he can repeat. I don't. I just don't know. Do not. All right. Who else you like in this range? Uh, for me, it's another guy I don't roster a lot. Is Danny Lee at seventy three hundred? But he just jumps off the page. Both stats and course history, and especially at the price. I mean, he posted a 36th uh, last week, and he's 6 for 6 on appearances here. So, I mean, he's a cut maker, and he's also got great upside. 7,300, talking about a guy who needs to make top 20 upside. He has a 14th, a 6th, a 22nd, a 10th, and a 38th in the last five years. I mean, that's a guy that has shown consistency in the ability to top 10, top uh, top 20, top 10, and get 6th. I mean, for 7,300, the course history should be good enough to make a roster spot on your team. But it gets better. You look at Lee, he's ranked 6th in GIR's gain, ninth in good drives, ninth in strokes gain approach, 17th in par 4, 400 to 450 scoring over his last 36 rounds on, on par 70 bent grass courses. I'm going to have a ton of Danny Lee, and it probably will crush me. But I'm going to be triple the field no matter what the ownership is. Uh, it could burn me, but with the course history and stats, I'm taking all the Lee I can get. What do you think? I don't really have a lot of interest in Danny Lee just because of his recent form. Nothing really pops off the page. But I think we run into that problem a lot with this 7K range. You know, it's one or the other. They either do well in your mixed condition model, but they look poor in their recent form. Or vice versa. They look spectacular in their recent form, but, you know, on bent greens and winning conditions, whatever the case may be, they just look awful. So you're going to have to make some tough choices. Danny Lee's not one of those choices I think I want to make this weekend. 
But um, I see your point. And, you know, he has been had success in the wind, great success in the wind, great success on bent greens. He hasn't played 36 last weekend at the PGA. If I'm going to make an argument for Jimmy Walker at the PGA in placing this weekend, i got to make the same argument for Danny Lee. He has that capability, especially considering the fact he finished in seventh this year at the Valero. So I get the Danny Lee play. I just don't know if I'm going to be with you on him. That's fair. I'll take him. You can have all the Walker. I'll have all the Lee. All right. Um, two 7K guys I just want to gloss over are Brian Stewart and Joaquin Neiman. Um, again, we're running that issue where one pops on one model and one doesn't. In his recent form, Brian Stewart looks great. You know, he's he's 10th in the last eight rounds in strokes game tee to green, 24th in ball striking, 14th in approach, and 16th around the green, and 47th in DK scoring. While Neiman, on the other hand, is not looking good in his recent form. But if we switch over to um, the mixed condition model, you know, it's a different story. Stewart still shows that success, but he's not as successful in the bogey avoidance as he's 72nd. And he's and in putting, he struggles in 72nd as well. But Neiman, on the other hand, ranks 7th in my model as he's 12th in proximity and 14th in birdie or better, 7th in bogey avoidance. I like that bogey avoidance here for that low 7K guy who's on the verge of going to that 6K range. So those are two guys I have interest in. I'm, I'm going, I think even rostering them in one or two lineups is going to help me completely overweight on these two players but um these are two guys that i like anyone else in this range that uh, you have interest in uh the only other guy i just want to mention and it's a guy that i don't every time i roster him i just i feel like i'm just watching him part of the course and it's it's bill haas at 7100 and there are very few times that it pays off to roster a guy that just pars all the time especially in dfs but you know haas has been amazing here he's made seven of seven cuts two of those cuts have been top 15s uh, the last two years and an eighth back in 2011 so, you know, Haas doesn't really show up as a score often, but I think here, this particular course is an option where you, you really can get him at a potentially low ownership. Hopefully everyone doesn't zoom in on the course history here, but for 7,100, he's got potential to hit top 15. He doesn't really have to, to, to pay off his salary here, and he makes a great fit for a Stars and Scrubs lineups, especially if you don't feel comfortable dipping down in the 6K range. I think Haas is an option. Yeah, I can see that. I can see his ownership being very, very low. But, I mean, it could explode if people do really wait that course history here. Um, the guy I'm going to fade is Jim Furyk. I think he's going to pop in a lot of models, but he's just in terrible form recently, and I don't want to have that in my lineups. I, that, that, that player's championship, that form at the beginning of the season, it, I think it's gone. And I really hope a lot of players this weekend are going to reflect on the nostalgia of successful Jim Furyk rather than actually using their brains. So Furyk's my fade. Um, yeah, I agree with, I agree with you there. My, my fade on this one is one that when I look at the stats model, I was just like, oh, easy fade. I'm going to take the easy button. And it was Matt Jones. But, you know, then I looked into him a little bit, and he's actually been playing pretty solid golf. I mean, you got fifth with the Byron Nelson. Hasn't missed a cut since January at the Desert Classic. But for me, he just does not line up well for this course on, on his history. And I'm hoping that, you know, he easily misses the cut here, and a lot of people look at his recent form and roster him, but I'm just having no Jones this week. All right. So this brings us to our newest segment called MG Monsters and Guarantees, a.k.a. the Martin Pillar Effect. And our goal for this range is to provide you with a player we potentially see placing in the top 25, aka our monster, and a player that we guarantee to make the cut. Now, in addition, we'll talk about a few other golfers we like in this 6K range, but this is just for our 6K range. This is your segment, buddy. Who's your monster? <laughs> My monster? I don't think a lot of people are going to be on him. And for me, the monster this week is Ryan Armour at 6,100. He had a 14th place finish last year, which on his first appearance here, which is pretty good for a first timer. And at 6,100, you get 14th, you're looking pretty good. For me, he grades out well too. 6,100 over his last 36 rounds on similar courses. He's ninth in GIR's gain, first in good drives, 13th on approach, 25th in ball striking. I mean, his form, yes, is pretty bad. Missed the cut of the championship, missed the cut of the Wells Fargo. 
63rd at the RBC Heritage, 57th at the Valero, but a 6th at the Valspar. So, you know, he has shown the ability to, you know, when he when he's on, he's on. Uh, his putter's an issue, but he puts, of all the surfaces, he puts the best on bent grass greens. So I'm hoping that, you know, between his approach game and his good putting on bent grass greens, or decent putting on bent grass greens, I should say, that he's got the ability to really significantly outperform a $6,100 price tag. And who knows, walk away with another PGA victory. Monster. Monster. If anyone's going to outperform, this is the man. All right. My monster is going to be Ben Crane. And it basically stems from his efficiency on those par fours from 400 to 450 and the 300 to 350 range. You know, he's got a decent approach game. He ranks 38th in my custom model. Where I am concerned is the proximity, but I'm willing to gamble on that if he gets a hot putter. And, um, you know, overall, recently, Crane has had mixed success. Um, but the most impressive thing is that he's gained strokes in putting. So if he does have that hot putter going, which is my biggest concern, you know, that's something I'm going to look at. Now, I, I'm not going to roster a lot of Ben Crane. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that now. But I do consider him as one of those top 25 low-owned guys that could potentially hit that. Now, to be realistic, I think there are better plays in the upper 6K range that could finish in the top 25. But I don't want to give you chalk in the 6k right. range i want yeah. to give you ben fucking crane finishing the top 25 <laughs> so we'll see how that works out this weekend you know the this it is a reach by by all means but he's my monster now going to my guarantee i'm going straight to sean stefani i i think the guy is just he's four of four in terms of cuts since 2013 and he's got great recent form i do also think he's going to be highly owned so that is an issue for me with Stefani, but that's okay. You, if you're eating chalk at, at this point, that's fine. Now, and recently, 27th in strokes gained tee to green, but the key thing is 8th in DraftKings scoring um, in the last eight rounds. Now, he hasn't shown a lot of success in you know, the mixed conditions model that I've set up, but one thing I do like is the fact that he's 38th in proximity. So who's your, uh, who's your guarantee? My guarantee this week, I think, is going to be Vaughn Taylor at, at 6,700. Doesn't grade out well, but has shown success here the last three years. He's been 20th, 18th, and 55th before he took two years off. And then in 2013, he was 70th. So he's made the cut here the last four times he's played. Now he's in decent form. I mean, he's finished 17th at the Byron Nelson, 13th at the Wells Fargo before that. Uh, he was struggling before, you know, before the Wells Fargo. So I think he's really in, coming into this event in great form. And I think for 6,500, you know, there's a guy that easily is going to make, I mean, if he's my guarantee, I, or sorry, he's 6,700, but I picked Vaughn Taylor this week. Well, who are you fading? <laughs> An easy fade for me is 59-year-old Keith Clearwater. Five years, no cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Missed every single one. <laughs> really making it hard on yourself. I'm making it hard, you know. <laughs> I am going to go towards a man who I think is going to be very popular, and that's Brian Harmon. Now, oh, that's tough. It, 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 the guy has made some serious runs here. 2013 finished 10th, 2014 30th, 2015 10th, 2016 25th, 2017 7th, 2018 14th. Absolutely loves this course if you look at his course history. But his recent form is atrocious. And I want no piece of that. Now, I understand that, hey, I'm coming home, whatever the case may be for Brian Harmon. I didn't even do that research. It's not like his mixed condition model shows that he's just going to automatically be successful here. So, Brian Harmon at 6,900, who I think is going to be very popular and highly touted, is my fade. Now, he does well in the win, but his worst putting surface is bent greens. But this guy's just been awful this year so far. Miscut at the PGA, miscut at the Byron, miscut at the RBC Heritage, miscut at the Valero, miscut at the Valspar, miscut at the API, miscut at the Honda, the Farmers, the Desert Classic. I keep going, 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 going. He's never been this awful on PGA Tour. Something's wrong with his game. Something's wrong at home. Whatever the case may be, he is my fade, and I hope he's super chalky. I like it. That's a great fade. I think he will be higher on than than we think, and that I'm I'm with you. I don't I don't like Harmon this week, and I'm not on him. 
So anyone else you want to gloss over in this 6K range? or? Uh, uh, I mean, there's, there's some other guys that, you know, I'm not going to rattle off stats on, but some guys that interest me, you know, this week that have shown success here in the past. There's Nick Watney at 6,600, uh, mainly based off his GIRS game. David Toms at 6,600, you know, he's, he's shown success here as well in the past. And then, you know, throwing some darts if I'm doing giant GPP entries and Josh Teeter, Hudson Swafford uh, are two other guys I'm looking at. But, you know, I'm going to try to stay out of the 6K range for the most part. I'll sprinkle some of Ryan Armour in there for the monster win and, you know, have a little bit of on Taylor. But for the most part, I'm going to try to stay in the low 7Ks. What about you? What do you think? Any other 6K guys that might be of interest? Yeah, Von Taylor most definitely has some 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 um, interest for me. I, I wouldn't mind going back to, to Lashley. Not because of uh, any particular reason other than the fact that like he's been kind of popular recently and playing well. But um, he's awful on bent green, so I probably won't. But it's just a strategy that I might explore uh, when I'm doing my lineup constructions. But you're right, this 6K range is vast and is pretty bad. So it'll be interesting what people end up doing this week. Make sure you're paying attention to ownership and everything like that just while you're building your lineup. So. Oh, you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him That'll wrap it up for the cut line in our analysis of the Charles Schwab PGA Tournament. Remember that lineups lock way early in the morning at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you check us out next week as we break down the memorial. Mr. DeChambeau's breakout tournament last season. I want to thank our listeners for spending time with us. And we wish you the best this weekend in the line of construction and hope, and hope, hope, hope that you win a GPP. I want to thank Zach for contributing to another excellent edition of The Cut Line. You can find him on Twitter at EaglesFan83. I'm Mike Cavalunas. You can find me at Lunas. Also, you can follow The Cut Line at The Cut Line. Again, a special thanks to PGA and Fantasy National. Get those birdies, eagles, and albatrosses, and aces. Hopefully many of those. Thanks for listening. Let's go and see who get some winners. Go get them.